Yeah, I am Dave Hodges, and I am that host of The Common Sense Show, and it is true. We like to think of ourselves as the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. And I think we need to expand our net, because I think we need to work on more than one enslaved mind at a time. Because anybody who could vote for Democrats in this day and age, with the violence that they're purporting, with actually what they're doing in the streets with Antifa... It boggles my mind. But we're going to get into that with our guest, Greg Jackson, who's written a brand new book. And we're excited to talk about that book because his book has applicability to the area of business, our society, and politics. But before we go to Greg, I want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by, well, the storable food company that we call preparewithdave.com. Why do we call it that? That's because where you go on the website to order it. It's the lowest price two and four week deals you can order in multiple packets now they've re- they've really relaxed their ordering requirements because they have a full stock but the quality is fantastic it's restaurant quality no glyphosates no gmos and if you don't have six months minimum of storable food you need to get cracking and you need to start taking care of your family and you say well dave i can't afford six months i get that that's why we have two and four week packets you need to start and add to it as you go two weeks is better than no weeks Go to preparewithdave.com and get the peace of mind that comes with knowing that you've prepped your family for the tough times that could lie ahead. And where there's food, there's also water. Your water is probably, for most of you, unhealthy. How do I know that? Recent studies tell us that chromium-6, remember the movie Aaron Brockovich, chromium-6 causes cancer? 218 million of you have chromium-6 in your water. And add to the lead. Add to the pharmaceuticals, the pesticides. Well, the Alexa Pure Pro can take all that out. They can take out over 2,000 chemicals with a clean rate of 99.99 to infinity percent. It's a fantastic device. It's reasonably priced. There's a great sale on right now. If you act quickly, go to waterwithdave.com. That's waterwithdave.com, and water filtration is now affordable. Well, our guest, Greg Jackson, should be no stranger to any of you. He's in a lot of places, and he's been on this show a couple of times before. And Greg has written a new book, and I want to cut into some of the core concepts because the book is not just applicable to how he read it, which was 40 things that salesmen should know to do their business, but it applies to life. It applies to being a good father, a good mother. There's so much universality here that I can't wait to get into it. Greg, so glad you could join us uh, from Denver, my old hometown, and it's always great to talk to someone from the Mile High City. Is it snowing up there? And before you answer, let me tell you, it was partly sunny here today in 75 degrees. How was your weather? Thanks for rubbing it in, Dave. We appreciate that. <laughs> That's why I'm Yes, moved. we know that you... <laughs> We know that you live in Arizona. It's the best It's the best weather pretty much in the country, especially this time of year. And, yes, it was uh, snowing. But you know that having lived here, that the snow doesn't last very long. Down in the low country, it's in the mountains where it uh, – it, that's where really where it belongs, where you can have the, the fun in it. So, true, um, true. Good point. For, Absolutely. But, 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 still, but still cold, especially for my – my bride, who hails from Southern California, Ooh. too cold for her. But I grew up in Michigan, so this is nothing for me. That's true. That's that's a good. Denver winters are relatively mild. You get about four to five bad storms, and when that weather gets cold, oh, you get to find out what it's like to scrape the windshield. But anyway, enough of the weather, because I want to talk <laughs> about something that really matters here, and that's your book. Tell tell the people about your book. Tell them why you wrote the book and who you wrote it for. Well, first, thanks for having me on, Dave. Always a pleasure and an honor to come on your esteemed show. Um, I've written a number of of books in this, what I call the 40s, 40 series, 40 rules series. So the first one I wrote was 40 rules to teach your children before you die. And I think we might have even discussed it on your show. And that was followed up by 40 rules for boys which is really a, a, a book on manners and etiquette. I have a young son who's now 13. I know you have a son as well. And, and I wanted to teach him kind of the old school manners and, and rules of etiquette. They're kind of, I think, considered to be kind of lost art <laughs> these days. Um, and then the, the, my recent book, as you noted, is 40 Rules Every Sales Pro Needs to Know. Yes. These books are very, very short, but I think hopefully insightful and informative and, and educational uh, 
and uh, of you know of of high value. The, the, my most recent book, Forty Rules Every Sales Pro Needs to Know, and the subtitle is The Top Sales Techniques, Practices, and Habits of Elite Sales Pros, is basically based, Dave, on outside of being a, a, an author and and I used to be on the radio and I'm a, a regular guest on a lot of radio shows nationwide. Um, but but I've also my bread and butter for the past 25 years has been in high tech medical device sales and sales management, and um, basically everything in this book are it's not an exhaustive list, but it's what I consider Dave to be the most important lessons that I personally have learned, you know, through my own personal experience and also ob- observing others, and based on a lot of successes and, and, and quite a few failures. And, and that's how we learn from our failures. And so this book is really intended for anybody in business and in sales. And um, as, as you said, it, it's not just for somebody who necessarily is in business or, or sales too, but a lot of the, the things in this book that we're going to be discussing are really applicable to relationships in, in general and, and in life. Uh, there's a lot of things here that, frankly, when I read it, even though it's intended for, you know, the CEO or the, the salesperson or sales manager, I've, I, I've applied in my own personal mar- marriage to my wife, who I've been married to for almost 22 years. So there's just a lot of things here that, uh, little nuggets that hopefully if you read the book, and by the way, people can go to Amazon, you can check out the table of contents and get a sneak peek. And, and see for yourself, but I think it is really applicable to all areas of, of, of life, and I'm hoping that, that readers really gain some valuable insight and that there are a couple of uh, you know, special nuggets that will help them succeed not only in business but life in general. Well, if you were to look at a couple of the baseline concepts of your book, what would they be? Well, baseline concepts... Uh, you mean like the probably the most important themes in terms of success? Yeah, I guess would be. I'll give you an example. I mean, like if you're talking about relationships, yeah. trust is a foundational uh, component of all relationships, and then you build on trust from there. So when you're looking at these different characteristics that you talked about, you know, leadership and so forth, what what do you think your foundational concepts were? I mean, your starting point for successful business relationships, personal relationships. Yes. Where, where, where do you start with that? What, what, what's your number one starting point? Well, I guess the number one starting point would be that, that you have to be open to taking an honest inventory and an assessment of where you are in life. What I've realized is that the most successful people, not just in sales and in business, but in radio and in media, just in, in virtually any area of, of life, are usually the ones, Dave, that don't think that they have all the answers and they have everything figured out. They're the ones that are constantly looking to take an honest assessment of where they are, where they can improve, and working on those things. I actually have a few chapters in, in my book um, you know, about talking, having honest conversations with your loved ones or, or your closest customers and, and asking them point blank where your blind spots might might be because we all have blind spots and what i found is that some of our blind spots inhibit us from taking the next step in our careers and people aren't going to tell you what your blind spots are for example um, i have a, a colleague that i have worked with dave and and i am really i've actually brought him on board our company on it and i have a vested interest in seeing him succeed and grow and i, I really like the guy but I've known when I speak with him that he has a tendency to look down. I don't know if you've ever done that where you, 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 you certain people, they just can't hold eye contact. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you give people the stare down. But this guy, for whatever reason, he's so talented in so many areas. But then when I talk to him and I'm having a you know face-to-face relationship, he has a tendency to look down. And when we were talking about, in his meeting, career development meeting, I brought that to his attention. And fortunately, he was open to, uh, to, to hearing that, that direct criticism and, and, and feedback. Of course, I sandwiched it with some, a lot of other positive stuff. But the point is that that is something that, had I not brought that to his attention, may have inhibited him from growing, developing, 
and moving to the next level. And so I think the most, you know, the, if you talk about the baseline for successful people in general, I think some of the adjectives, Dave, that I would use would be humility, transparency, and openness to being corrected and to taking those things and, uh, and, and learning from them. For, let me give you one more example. Last night I was at my son's hockey game, and he said to, you know, we, my wife and I, he's only been playing for three years, of course, I grew up playing hockey. I'm passionate about it, and I try not to be that dad in the stands that's, you know, yelling and screaming and, and carrying on and getting too involved and embarrassing my kid. But, um, you know, I had to bring it to my wife and I would just we would just say to ourselves, why is this kid skating at like half speed? I do, we just don't get it. You know, hockey is a game where you have to, well, you know, you're 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 an athlete and a coach, and so you know that when you're out there, you know, taking your shift, playing hockey, you only have about 30 to 45 seconds, and you've got to go as fast as you can. It's a series of, of sprints, really, um, in, in, in hockey, and he was going probably about half speed. And so my wife and I t- told him, you know, Jake, I don't, we don't know what you think you're doing out there, and, and, and if you think you're, you're going full speed, which he said he thought he was, but we had to, you know, tell him, directly you know if you really want to improve you're going to need to go twice the speed that you're going it might feel like you're going full speed but you're actually going half speed and so last night he had an incredible game they won i think uh 10 to 2 they just creamed the other team and he literally was going twice the speed that he went to and afterwards in the car um I said, where do you think you improved the most? And he said, well, I appreciate you bringing it to my attention because all that time I was out there, I was thinking I was going full speed, but I actually wasn't. And so there's an example where he was open to taking constructive criticism. He received it, he internalized it, and he applied it. And even his coach said, wow, that was a different Jake Jackson out there on the ice. That's an amazing story. And what you really hit on here is something that I've come across in my training to be a mental health therapist is that one of the ways that we promote client growth is to get them to look back at their behavior and look for themes and have them develop insight as to what motivates uh, what they're doing and have them evaluate how they're doing. And this is pretty much what you're describing here. So it's interesting to see how we cross over into the domain uh, of uh, mental health counseling. Um, You mentioned in the book something that I really found intriguing. And you talked about the importance of leadership. Uh, let's talk about leadership for a little bit. Let you take that address. Uh, l- l- let me be more specific. Let's take yeah. that. Let's take that issue. The servant. Yeah. Let's take that issue and talk about the leadership styles that you talked about. Some of them were very traditional, but some of them were a little bit different than what you see in traditional leadership in corporate America. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, I think that people have this, that haven't been in a leadership position, have this maybe perception that, you know, being a leader is, you know, standing up in the in front of the boardroom or front of the sales team and, you know, banging your, your fist on the desk and and being real uh, kind of dogmatic and, 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 and hardcore. And I think if you if you haven't been in a leadership or management position, you tend to, uh, maybe make up for your lack of experience by being very forceful uh, and, 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 and maybe even coming across as, as being very harsh, maybe even a micromanagement type of management style. And what I've realized, not only as a manager myself, but uh, as a sales manager, but also as a, as, a, you know, uh, as, a, as a sales representative and also a corporate field sales trainer, which I am as well, is that the best type, and this isn't intended to be overtly religious, but as, as, as a Christian, you know, I, I read the Bible regularly, and um, one of the core concepts of leadership that is demonstrated in the Bible is taught to us by, by Jesus, and it's a, a, a method that is referred to as servant leadership. And what I found is that the most successful leaders in, in companies, organizations, uh, in general, not just, not just sales organizations, it could be marketing, it could be any area where you, you are a leader in your organization, 
are those who demonstrate and practice that servant leadership style. And what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. He said, I did not come to serve, excuse me, to be served, but to serve. And, of course, he gave his life for us, and in return, we should be giving our lives for him to the best of our humanly ability. And so if we, you know, in if you want to draw an analogy to business, um, what I've seen is that the most successful managers and leaders in organizations uh, are servant leaders. They serve others. They're constantly looking to make others below them that serve beside them, even above them better, always uh, diverting and and deflecting um, maybe any praise that they might get to, to others. And I think that one of the most appealing aspects uh, for anybody in an organization who has a boss, think, you know, listeners out there, you go to a job and you have a boss um, that, that you report to every day, um, or maybe you don't, maybe you're, you're an entrepreneur and you don't, maybe you just report to yourself, but for those of you who are in an organization, you have a management, a manager who you report to, I think that it's safe to say that when we have uh, – when we work under people that are empathetic to our situations, that aren't quick to rush to judgment, people that aren't afraid to get their hands dirty and help us in, in our da- daily tasks, I think those are the type of, of managers and leaders that really attract the most, um, uh, re- uh, the most respect, Dave, from those for whom they work. And I think what I've what I've noticed is that uh, there are there are a couple of qualities in terms of of leaders and great leaders that I've worked with or worked for whom I've worked in the in the past, and that is that they're empathetic, they're very humble, they're they're open. You know, I had a boss uh, recently who asked me during an evaluation what it is, and he gave me freedom. Without you know worrying about you know getting fired for giving him honest feedback, uh, but areas where he wanted to improve, and I and I you know have a close enough close enough relationship with him. I've worked for him for almost ten years that I gave him this type of feedback, and those are the type of leaders that you know are really able to grow and develop and command the respect of those underneath them, um, and and so I, I think it's really. You know, your, your question is, is a very important one, uh, but it's also, you know, there are many aspects to, to, to the answer. But, but in general, I would, I would just say humility, transparency, and, and also an, a willingness to, to serve and to constantly be concerned with the needs of those uh, that, that, are, that are underneath you in, in, the, you know, in, the structure, in your organizational structure. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things, that, and, and I'll, I'll put my sociology hat on here for a second, that I know is that good leaders can be situational in that they only have one leadership style and they fit the need of the task with their style. And then some leaders transcend time because they're flexible. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, and I want, I'd like you to address this from the corporate standpoint. When crisis visits, there's no room for democracy and debate and empowerment. It's a leader taking control and saying, you do this, you do that, our survival depends on it, get to work now. The authoritarian, totalitarian leadership style when leadership is needed, like in martial law or in times of war. And then there's the type when you're managing creative people that you just have to step out of the way and be more laissez-faire and just say, I trust you to do your job. I'm just going to help you with your timetables to make sure we're moving along. Uh, how do How do those kinds of concepts apply to different leadership styles in the corporate world? Well, I think you touched on a, a really important point, which is that, you know, there's not there's no one management style, and I think the most effective leaders are those who can tailor their their leadership style and approach to different different situations. Uh, as you as you rightly stated, in emergency situations, uh, you know, there's a different approach to uh, managing those situations than, than other situations uh, might require. So I think that the most effective leaders 
the most effective salespeople, the most effective people in business in general, are those who have the ability to deal effectively with various personality styles, to recognize the personality of the of the person with whom um, they're, they're working, and to recognize that it's not a one size fits all approach. The same can be said of rearing uh, children. Um, as, as you probably know, and when you have many, many kids, it's, it's crazy how sometimes one child who's only a year apart from another child can be so different in terms of their personality. And so, of course, they require a different way of, of, uh, of, of, of leadership in the home, of rearing that child. What may work for one might not work for another. And I think the most effective leaders, the most effective people in business in general, the most effective people in radio, in broadcasting, and in TV that I've come across are ones who can recognize that uh, the, the um, uniqueness of their customers, of their guests, of their employees, and to understand what it is that drives and motivates that different personality and to tailor their approach with them in a unique manner. And that's, I think, and, and, and hopefully I'm not being too intricate in my, in my answer, but I think that, you know, you and I are really talking about the most, what we've noticed in our lives, Dave, as the most, um, you know, the, the general characteristics of the most successful leaders, managers, salespeople, business people that we know of. And to me, um, you know, there's a reason why certain types of, like, for example, in football, let's use sports as an example. A lot of times you'll have a, a college coach that is really good in college and, or, or basketball because that's more your, your bailiwick. Um, um, I think you're a basketball coach, right? A women's, women's basketball coach. No, men, men's and basketball. So, the, women and, are glad, and, the women are glad I wasn't. No, I was a men's college basketball men's coach. Ba men's college basketball coach. So you know that there's different styles. So, so there's a lot of men's coaches who have gone on from college to teach in the pros, and it hasn't worked. Well, why hasn't it worked? Well, a lot of the times they'll, they'll take their approach that did work with a bunch of you know, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and they will try to apply those same management techniques in the pros where, by the way, their players are making 10, 15, 20 times what they're making in the pro ranks, and they'll, and, and, and they'll fail. And it's not because they might not be a good basketball coach or, or knowledgeable, but it's just because in a lot of those cases, I believe they, they took the wrong approach. So knowing your audience, knowing what drives them, what motivates a pro is going to be much different in many cases than what uh, is going to motivate uh, somebody at the collegiate level. And so the, the most effective managers, coaches, uh, CEOs uh, are, are those who have an acute understanding uh, in the, 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 the different types of nuanced personalities with which they're they, they're dealing with and and are able to uh, to 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 apply a different style uh, to the the unique personality that they're dealing with. You know, I've seen That's exactly kind of a long-winded answer, but no, I've seen exactly what you're talking about. Uh, when you're a college coach, you can nearly be as autocratic as you want if your players can psychologically handle it and still perform. Because they make no money, you have complete and total control over whether you renew their scholarship, and you really control their destiny. Uh, when you yes. get to the pros, it's a whole different thing. This is about knowing who you're leading. So you can be more authoritarian with college kids and get away with it, but when you get to the pro level, these people are accomplished. They're the stars. They're used to having their way. What you have to do then is be more of a consultant. You have to talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. You have to respect their creativity. We actually call that laissez-faire leadership. Uh, and coaches mm. that don't make that transition to the NBA don't last real long. But then again, I'll say this. In every organization I have found when I've looked at leadership, 
you've got a situation where you have your non-negotiables. You, you tell your team or your business, hey, these are the five things we're never going to compromise on. Everything else, come into my office. We'll talk. We'll work it out. I want you to be happy. I want you to be successful. And that, that's what I see. And the coaches that make it in the pros are able to do those things. And uh, very, very, very astute comment you just made there yes. with regard to leadership. Uh, we need to step away just for a second. We, we're talking to Greg Jackson about his new book, and we're going to be talking more about that and tell you later on how you can follow Greg's good work and actually get a copy of his book. But I want to remind everybody that this next segment is brought to you by Virtual Shield. Now, Virtual Shield, these people develop ways to keep the government and hackers out of your computer. They keep them from catching you in your browsing history. And someday, like in China, it could be illegal to go to certain websites in the United States, and you could be persecuted for it, like they are in China with a social credit. Well, Virtual Shield's ahead of the curve. They block people from hacking. They block people from tracking you. And their guys are so clandestine, they won't even come on my show for an interview. But that's okay because they're protecting me. And their prices are so low, I don't know how they make any money. And they have a sale on top of their already low prices. It's a win-win. Go to HideWithDave.com to get the best protection for your computer and browsing. Go to HideWithDave.com. And also, the other sponsor that we have for this segment is Trade Genius Academy. I love Bob Kudla. Just absolutely love him. Why? Because he makes money for people in our audience. How does he do it? I don't know. But he teaches you how to do it. He's teaching me how to do it. And I just go on automatic pilot. And guess what? We all make money. The record, the, I mean, the market's doing good, except for the Fed raising interest rates recently that caused a little bit of a crash. But the market's doing good. People are doing even better in Trade Genius. You owe it to yourself to check it out. If you just put your money in the bank and leave it there, you're going to lose 50% within eight years. Don't do that. Learn how to invest your money. Let Bob Kudla teach you. There are specials to get involved right now. Go to TradeLikeAGenius.com. That's TradeLikeAGenius.com. Well, we're back with Greg Jackson talking to us from Denver, Colorado. Obviously, my second favorite place on the planet. Have fond, fond memories of Denver. And, and Greg, really, and I've got to tell you, I'm biased. I think the people in Denver are highly intelligent, way above the national norm, trendsetters, innovators. If they could just keep the Agenda 21 guys out, I'd be happier. But Greg has written a book advising people what, what they can do, 40 principles, to be more successful in business, and these traits carry over to other areas. Greg, we've talked a lot about leadership. What are some of the other things that people need to be mindful of as they apply their skills and blend in their personal approach? Well, you know, I, as I said before, the, the book is it's a culmination of what I consider to be the most important things that I've learned of, about business and in leadership and in relationship building, um, you know, over the past 25-plus years of, of my uh, medical device sales career. But, of course, it's, it can be applied to any, any industry in it. Um, so the points in the book are, are more general principles. They're not specifically for those in pharmaceutical or medical device sales sure, sure. Or, or, the, or business. Um, and, and, of course, people can go to, to Amazon, just you know, type in 40 rules every sales pro needs to know. And you know, the basic premise, Dave, um, and, and, and they can read the table of contents, for example, humility is key one of them. Uh, cultivate partnerships, not customers. If you can't say it in four words or fewer, don't say it. Um, after you close the deal, shut up. <laughs> That's a personal favorite of mine. Less telling, more selling. Uh, never criticize the competition. So those are, you know, people can go. They can and 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 on on the Amazon and and check out some of these things. But uh, uh, many of them, Dave, were were learned from you know, many successes, but also many failures. And that's how we learn if we're growing and we're evolving and we're getting better. And if people are wondering, well, what is, what does it take? What does he mean by sales pro? The book is entitled 40 rules. Every sales pro needs to know. And really the, the premise of the book, Dave, is that there are sales professionals and sales pros. Sales professionals really encompass anyone who gets paid to sell a good or service. And a sales, and there are of course tens of millions of sales professionals in the United States alone. Uh, but a sales pro 
is, and I explain this in the forward of the book, or the introduction to the book, is really the top, top 1%. Those are the ones who are consistently overachieving their plans or their quotas. They're the ones that uh, they're, you know, they're, they, they have eight or ten good years to every one or two bad years in, in their business. They're just consistently performing and outperforming the competition. They're the ones who win the President's Club trip in their in their companies, the awards trips. They're the ones getting trophies at the end of the year. These are the true pros who are doing things, doing it, not only are they doing different things, but they're doing those different things that I outline in the book more consistently. They're doing them daily. They're in a very disciplined, structured, orderly manner and approach. And so, um, you know, if and I think, again, we all want to be pros, or we should aspire to be pros, as, a, as you know, opposed to just being a professional getting paid to do a job. Not only I know Dave Hodges that you want to, you know, you're a professional radio broadcaster. You have an amazing product that, uh, and information. Uh, that is of significant value that you bring to your listeners on a weekly and daily basis. But I would say that you are a true pro in that, uh, and this is not false flatter. You know I've been a longtime listener to your show. Uh, I, I, now with your new short snippets, which, by the way, I love those. And if you're not oh, you're talking uh, about the ones a on YouTube? going to YouTube, yeah, okay. as I have, subscribe to the Common Sense Show. And because those little three to five minute little news broadcasts that you provide on a, on a daily basis, oftentimes multiple times a day, are significant value. And the reason I bring that up is because so a professional might only do a show, um, a, a radio show, and they might only do it once a week. And, you know, they basically are collecting a check. We all know them. They work at radio stations, and they get brought into program directors' offices like I used to. And they're sat down, and they are told what they can and can't talk about. And if your listeners don't think that that is true, I can assure you that it has not only happened to me, but many of my colleagues in the, in the broadcasting industry that have worked for larger radio stations. And I can assure you that it is, it is very that, – that those type of discussions happen frequently. And they're, com they're, they're commonplace. So what makes the alternative media and what you're doing so unique, Dave, is that you are bringing news and information that uh, many would consider to be verboten. Uh, you wouldn't be able to talk about half the stuff you talk about, Dave, even on Fox News. And I know people thinking, oh, Fox News is the conservative and CNN is liberal, but they're all – own, you know, the, the, the media is owned by six corporations, all of it, including Fox, by the way. <laughs> so they're pretty much controlled opposition, but they're probably less evil than, than the uh, MSNBC and CNN and the Alphabet Soup channels. But my point is, is that what you're doing, Dave, with your show and others like you in the alternative media is that you are the ones that are truly looking at the, at the common, uh, at the most important needs of uh, the citizenry, and you are stepping out in faith and courageously, I might add, with a, a lot, a significant amount of opposition that most of your listeners probably don't even know the half of that you haven't shared with them, and that that is what makes a, a, a true pro in any endeavor is, is somebody like yourself, Dave, who is not afraid to, to step out uh, regardless of the cost and to provide for the real needs because see people who just turn on the nightly news or who listen to the alphabet channel news think they're getting the full story but they're not and those who are delivering the news to them are really just reading teleprompters it's all packaged pre-packaged uh, snippets and sound bites uh, and so those people are just essentially puppets they're going in and to the, the the news and the media organizations that they work for they're delivering the you know for lack of a better word it's propaganda and they're getting paid for it so they're professionals in that sense but they're not pros they're not pros because this is not it's not their craft it's not their art uh it's it they're they're not in the truth-telling business 
So, and by the way, I'm just using you as an example because it's pertinent because, you know, we're, we're doing a radio show right now, and I thought it would be a good example. But a pro is somebody, Dave, like yourself, who is not afraid to put his own needs beneath the, that of his listeners. And that's what you do every Sunday night when you broadcast this show uh, because you take a significant amount of risk with the information that you're, that you're putting out. And so I would consider you to be, uh, you know, in that top one percentile in your business, which is the business of truth-telling and, and radio broadcasting. And you do it in a very structured and coherent manner, and you do it week after week, and you, 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 and, and you have it down. And so that's really what, what this book is all about. It's, it's how to be... It's, it's how to be a true pro. It's how to be the, at the top of your game regardless of what you're doing. I don't care if you own a convenience store. Uh, I don't care if you know, you're in radio broadcasting, if you're in pharmaceutical sales, if you're a small business owner. And you, you know, you know, I had a guy from E-Trade read my book. He's a manager, and they're thinking about having everybody in E-Trade read this book. U.S. Foods is very interested in having all of their employees read this book from customer service to marketing um, all, you know, all the way throughout the organization. So my hope is, I know this is a totally long-winded answer, and I know that one of my chapters is if you can't say it in four words or fewer, don't say it, and I just violated my own principle. But having said that, I know you're cutting me a lot of slack on this because I'm excited about this because I know that my hope, Dave, is that this is going to add value to people's lives. This is going to make them better, more competent at what they do, and more successful. And that's what we should all be in the business of doing is helping each other, encouraging others, and helping each other get better regardless of what, what it is that we do for, for work. Well, one of the things I noticed when I was uh, going through 40 Rules Every Sales Program. Did I lose you? To, no. Okay. Here we go. Okay. We got a Dave. little. We got a little dip there. Am I back? Yeah, I, you're, I, you're okay. back. Okay, good. Uh, hey, we've had some faux pas here with communications, uh, you know, and, and so people don't think we're totally being inattentive here. I tried to interview Scott Bennett four times, three days ago. We still can't communicate by phone. We are totally being blocked from really? each other. Oh yeah, yeah. And Scott Bennett, uh, the former Army psyop who reported directly to George Bush. Um, yeah, th- this. And we just did a major cutout here, and I'm talking over, and I see my volume just went to flat zero, and yet the signal strength is strong. So, you know what? <laughs> when you got neighbors that put antennas and you, on you. And you and I aren't even. No, we're, we're not even being And you and I aren't even talking about anything that. No. Not, not, well, no, you know what we're talking <laughs> we're, about we're that they don't like? We're trying to break it up a little bit on your show. Yeah, but Greg, let me uh, tell you why they don't want this out. You talk about empowerment in your book, and th- I'll tell you. It's worth getting the book. Oh, that for... was just when I started talking about what it is that you're doing, Dave. There you go. Exactly. No, no, no. It was right when I was. T- yeah, yeah. I it was it. right when I was talking about what you're doing. Yep, I know. And this is becoming a regular occurrence. Of course, as I shared with you before we went on the air, and I'm going to be non-specific till I come out with my article, my pictures. I'm being spied on in my own neighborhood. And uh, these are the opinions of experts who've looked at some of the equipment being used. And uh, we think this is accounting for some of this interference. But anyway, long story short here, Greg, you were starting to talk about empowerment as well, too. And and people in the audience, I just want to let you know that uh, if you get the book for no other reason, this book will teach you how to be self-empowered to accomplish your goals. And see, this is not what the globalists want. The globalists don't want self-empowered, free-thinking people. They want people who are dumbed down by fluoride. The IQs are lowering. They want people who are undereducated, and they want people who are propagandized by the mainstream media so they don't know what to think or even how to think, and so therefore they can't plot the course for their life because what you're teaching here is for people to be the best they can be. The globalists don't want you to be the best they can be. you can be. They want you to be the best you can be for them. Absolutely. And no, that's, that, so, that's such an insight, insightful point, Dave. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that when I, I read your book, I felt I was, you know, in my background, I've taught a lot of things, but psychology has been the main mainstay. And I've taught everything from undergrad to graduate psychology courses. And I have to tell you, my, my walk away from looking at the book was that this is teaching people 
how to be the best in different domains that make a difference cumulative when you stack one of these principles upon another. And that's really, I mean, and two, what I like that you did, the genius in the book, was it seemed like there was some forethought here. And this is why I started off with my first question about what's your baseline concept that you started with and built upon. Because if people just follow what you're saying in the book and they begin to apply it and maybe even journal it, this is what I would advise people to do is to journal what they're getting from the book. They're going to begin to see differences in their life on a daily basis because this book hits on so many different aspects of creating successful relationships. And see, products don't sell themselves. Salesmen sell products. And to be a seller, you've got to be someone who appeals to other people. And that's where I think your book captures a lot of the mystery. Well, I appreciate those, those kind words, uh, Dave. You know, I will say this, that everything in this book, there's a lot of things that we do Um, This is why you have life coaches, why you have sports coaches taping your golf swing. Uh, This is is why you have sports psychologists, so on and so forth. They're very successful people. They seek out the advice of others because they realize that there are certain areas in their life, whether it's marriage or business or whatever it is, where they can improve. And like I said before, we all have blind spots. We all have things that, you know, for example, let's use golf as an example because I know you're an avid golfer, as am I. And, you know, when you go out there and, and you, you, you can't see yourself swinging, unless, of course, you're taping yourself, right? But your friends can, and they're watching you. And, and so, you know, if, if, if uh, you're open to it, you can learn a lot. I wouldn't advise it necessarily getting, you know, too many lessons on the golf course, but maybe on the range. Uh, but my point is that successful people are always – looking for ways and they're open as i said before to to feedback from other people who have a vested interest in their success and they are are willing to check their egos at the door their pride at the door and listen to those observations and learn from them and improve and really the things in this book dave it's not like i've this isn't like the book the secret these are things that you know, if you read the table of contents, you might think like, oh, yeah, I got this stuff down pat. But I would really suggest buying it and reading it and really challenging yourself uh, because a, a, a lot of this stuff in the book I've noticed just from having managed and trained many, many hundreds of maybe even thousands of sales reps over the year is that there's a lot of people, things that people think they're doing well, but they're really not. They think they, like my son with the skating, thinking he was going full speed, but he was only going half speed. And so the things in this book are really things that a lot of people would say they do well, but these are the, these are the things that most people who think they do well aren't really doing that well in, in business and maybe even in life. And so that's why I think that, that – um, that's, that is the baseline, Dave, to, to re-answer your first question. The baseline of this book really is there's a lot of things that a lot of people in the business world and in sales uh, think that they're doing well, but they're really not. And they're basic things that people are getting wrong. Those basic core concepts I put down in this book that hopefully people will learn from. You know, Vince Lombardi only had three major plays that they that they ran for the Green Bay Packers when they won their championships, and they were in different variations, but essentially three plays. They ran the ball to the left, they ran the ball to the right around the tackles, and then they they ran the ball either you know in between the guard and the tackle on the left or right hand side, and then there were different variations of of and maybe mix in a couple of passes, but Vince Lombardi you know, was famous for saying, you know, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. And that's really what this book is all about, is, is getting people to, to recognize what the, what the core characteristics of the most highly elite people in business and in sales do on a, on a consistent basis, on a daily basis, and then make a practice of doing those things with the and and to take you to the next level, whatever that next level may be in your career or your life. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that uh, your book captures the idea of being a servant. You mentioned that when we started out in this interview, in this segment, when you talked about Jesus washing the feet of those who should have been worshiping him. 
he was serving them. And, and to me, that's something as, as a leader, as a longtime coach and a leader in different areas that I actually had to learn. I mean, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, being a leader, that's cool. I'm in charge. I get to live out my ego. And uh, that, that's, that's a prescription for disaster. And as a parent, you've got to learn that, too, because you've got to be highly directive when they're young to keep them alive. But as they're growing, you've got to back off that approach. I've got to tell you, Greg, I had the most uh, wonderful experience with a father and a son uh, yesterday when my son played in his final golf tournament. I got to um, walk the last hole up to the clubhouse with him. I didn't say a word. I just walked with him. We started this journey four years ago when he thought he wanted to play high school golf. And he got kind of a late start, yet he did make the varsity when he was a sophomore. And he had a really good year this year. He's won a couple of tournaments. But uh, what a spiritual experience it was to walk wow. that last walk. I'll carry that yeah, to my dying days. That's... That's pretty amazing. And, yeah, and, and there was probably a lot that he <clears throat> learned from you, um, you know, and, and maybe some of those things were not even spoken of. Maybe they were tacit lessons. That's a whole whole other, uh, you know, leaders oftentimes can lead just by, not it's not by what they say, but it's what they don't say. Uh, Julian Edelman, who you know some of your listeners may know, he made that famous catch in the Super Bowl, and he's a you know he played quarterback in college. Dave, he plays wide receiver for the or slot back for the Patriots. I had the pleasure of I was golfing with some buddies in Boston a few weeks ago, and I got the pleasure of, of meeting with him and talking to him and stuff. And you know he was telling me that um, he couldn't play quarterback in the NFL, so he and his dad talked by the way his dad was there i met his dad very nice guy they're from california they're from the from the bay area and his dad said if you want to play in the nfl you're going to have to play wide receiver and that's it that's really the only position that you could play but it's going to require you to catch 15,000 balls 15,000 passes and so he wanted it badly enough that that's what he did every day he told me he cut, he, he went and caught thousands of passes you know every day and because he knew what it was going to take for him not just to be a professional like maybe he could have played on the practice squad in the uh in the nfl or maybe a backup but he wanted to be a pro and so a guy that never played wide receiver right like your son who just started golf four years ago my son just started hockey three years ago you know, but I always say it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If you want something badly enough and you're willing to do the things that it takes on a consistent basis, um, then you, you're going to be able to, to uh, achieve a great amount of success in your life because there's another chapter in my book, Dave. It's, it says attitude determines altitude. Exactly. And I don't think that I necessarily invented that one. Uh, right. I think I heard it somewhere along the... 50 years of my life <laughs> but I like it and I practiced it because you know that's what I've seen is the the core component uh, for people who are highly successful in what they do it's and I know this is going to sound so trite to your listeners so cliched but it's so true the attitude that you bring into anything that you do will determine your altitude how high you go and that's what Julian Edelman demonstrated guy never had took any you know, uh, play to play in college as a wide receiver. He was a quarterback, and now he's one of the greatest wide receivers in the professional ranks. I think he's won two or maybe three Super Bowls, maybe just two. And um, I think what that what that shows is that you know, in, in life, if if we're willing to put in the work, as I'm sure your son has, if he's going to be at the you know in the collegiate level, um, you know, and and go on to have a golf career, even though he started late going to be because of all of those things that you instilled in him as his father uh, in terms of his work ethic, in terms of his regimented, structured practice, which I'm sure you did, uh, you know, dating back from your own playing days and your coaching days, that you passed on to him. And, you know, I guess the last thing I'll say is it, it's, it's important if you're a parent out there um, you know that that we think seriously about what we're passing on to the to our progeny to the next generation we have a solemn obligation 
to pass these things on that we've learned from. That's what I've attempted to do in this book, 40 Rules Every Sales Pro Needs to Know, which is not just about sales or business, but about life in general, because I have, I, I take my responsibility as, uh, as a father very seriously, and I want to empower uh, not only my son, but others, as you said, Dave, to be the best they can be. Again, I know that sounds trite, and I stole that from the United States Army, but it is true. And it's not what the deep state wants to hear. It's not no, what the globalists no. who want to control us want to hear. Go ahead. I was going to say, you're absolutely right. It's not what they want us to do. And this is why they try to break apart the family, because they don't want fathers like you and me and so many people in the listening audience who will actually take the time and work with their children and teach them how to be resilient, how to bounce back from setbacks, how to set training regimens for themselves, not just on an athletic field or in a court, but also in the classroom. See, my son's a better student than he is a golfer. That's the thing I'm most proud of him about in terms of what he's accomplished. And and I, I look at, at what it takes to be a good parent, and I have to tell you that it takes empowering them and then letting them go. You know, I'm sorry, we are out of time, Greg. So I want to take a second here and let you tell everyone how they can get a copy of this fascinating book. And listen, I can't recommend this highly enough, ladies and gentlemen. I looked at this book, and I was going to do a perfunctory glance. Uh, and I thought, okay, I got this, and I can do the interview. But I started getting into this, and I said, man, there's some good stuff here. And I was seeing myself in this. Now, some of it, Greg, related to me as a father, because I'm already going through mourning because my son's a senior in high school, and I'm going to miss him terribly when he grows up and goes off to college. But that's my burden. Anyway, Greg, how do people get a copy of your book? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, people, thank you for the kind words, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, and by the way, I'm going to send you one to, for him and you can autograph it and give it to him. Oh, that's as well. awesome. Thank you. But people Thank can you. go to Amazon. People can go to Amazon, just punch in 40 rules. Every sales pro needs to know the top sales techniques and practices, habits of elite sales pros. By the way, my, my website where all my books, my, in the 40 things series can be found, uh, is gregjackson.com, two G's G R E G G Jackson.com. By the way, I'd love to hear from your, your listeners. My email, if it's okay to give it out, is Greg, G-R-E-G-G, G-R-E-G-G dot Jackson at gmail.com. Hey, if I've said anything in error, I'm open to being corrected. Please bring it to my attention. If there's something you liked or disliked, I, I, I'd love to hear it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and, absolutely and also, great you know, stuff. It, this – I was okay. going to say, it's absolutely great stuff. Thank Greg, you so much for Greg, having are, me, Dave. <laughs> they're going to cut us off, but it's all my pleasure to have you. Congratulations on such a great work, and I look forward to having you back on again. Thank Thanks. you, Dave. God bless Bye. you, my friend. Thanks, Greg. Bye-bye.